You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. So we're here at the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy. I'm excited about my guest, Doug Peterson. He came to Bryan College Station as a freshman in 1976 to play basketball for the Aggies. Originally from Minnesota, uh, played against Kevin McHale, Boston Celtics in high school in the All-Star game. He was awesome. He's seven feet tall. Graduated from A&M with a management major. Basically stayed here and never left. Started a construction company in 1981 upon graduating. Bought his first fixer-upper in 1989 and the rest as they say is history. Today, he owns 650 or 700 units, and he just sold about 200 units in the last two years. His team is comprised of about 16 to 18 employees, and um, he's the president and CEO, and still kind of leading day to day. He's real big into purchasing exotic cars, and he just got a Ford GT a couple weeks ago. So excited to have Doug Peterson here with me today. Man, I'm excited. Thanks, guys, for listening. Inaugural episode with my great friend, Doug Peterson. Whoop. He's been a mentor of mine, a friend of mine many years, and so excited to uh, hang out with him. He's seven feet tall. I just want to throw that out there. So if I look small on here. I'm sitting down. Nobody knows. <laughs> That's what's going on. So he's the CEO of Twin City Properties, has done some amazing things. He's up over 650 units. Man, really grown his business. He's been someone I've looked up to for the last 13 years, and I'm just excited to have him here. Doug, thank you for being here, man. I love you like a brother. My pleasure. And um, I think people are sleeping on College Station. They're sleeping on what investors and entrepreneur guys are doing in our market. And so I'm cool to really jump into your story. But um, you're my guest, obviously, the people listening, a quick intro on who you are, how you got to College Station, just your story in a couple minutes. Yeah. So I'm from Minnesota and I came here on a dance scholarship. They wanted me to, no, I'm kidding. I'm seven feet tall. I came here on a basketball scholarship. I didn't come here on a basketball scholarship like you came on a football scholarship because football at Texas A&M is the thing. Yeah. Basketball at Texas A&M is the thing behind the thing, behind the thing, behind the thing. <laughs> so I knew I couldn't play at Kentucky. I couldn't play Indiana. I couldn't play at any of those top schools, but I wanted to play division one. A&M graduated everybody. I came in, literally started as a freshman. Wow. And it's fascinating how God works. If you're watching, if you're paying attention, because for many years after graduation, I had no idea where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I would literally sit on my couch and go, I could be in New York and do what I'm doing. I could be in Florida. And so I stayed here. And then in 1989, eight years after graduating, nine years after graduating, I bought my first fixer-upper. Wow. And then the rest, as they say, is history. But my point is that I knew Bryan College Station like the back of my hand. So I knew where you wanted to buy, and I knew what values were, and I could balance the checkbook. Mm -hmm. So starting to buy in 1989, very smart. Yeah. Not patting myself on the back, just a God thing. I'm in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But the second thing I did that was just as smart or smarter is that as demand increased and people started calling us going, Hey, sell us your duplex, sell us your investment property. I could have made money. And wow. I said, no. Yeah. And so I literally kept turned into a long-term player and now stuff we paid 30,000 for back in 89 <sighs> and 90 is worth 200,000. And it's just crazy. Wow. And, and we don't, and we don't have any debt on it. Yeah. It's just, it's a fun game now. It was yeah. fun back then. It's way more fun now. Yeah. And I want to unpack that, man, because like you said, something that's worth 200 grand to 250, 300,000 
and then you start talking about 650, 700 units or more, I mean, that's a pretty considerable portfolio that you've built. And I know you've worked really hard to do that. So I want to I want to dive into that. And, and when we unpack it for the normal listener out there who, like you said, right after college or just transitioning from one career to the next, what would you say as they're trying to start their investment career? Because what we'll be talking about on the Real Estate Entrepreneur Show is sales, investing and entrepreneurship. Okay. And so obviously you are. I don't sell anything. So I, I can't help you there. <laughs> I'm dead to you there. You're dead to that. So I know your big thing is obviously investing. And that's something that's a topic that's really hot right now. Obviously, everybody's talking about investing your money. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about financial literacy. Mm-hmm. If you were to give advice to someone, just kind of use your story and some of those pitfalls and things that you learned on the way, what would be three takeaways from that experience over the last 20 plus 30 years of investing? Well, that's interesting. My first bit of advice or my first takeaway is go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. Go go find a copy. I've probably, and I don't have anything to do with the book, but I bet I've given away 50 or 100 copies. It's just that impactful to me. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. So go get a copy, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Read it yep. and then understand it. Because what that book is going to tell you is buy assets, stay away from liabilities. Mm-hmm. What's an asset? Well, an asset's anything that puts money in your pocket. Yep. Keep it simple. What's a liability? Anything that takes money out of your pocket. A lot of people will buy a car. A lot of people will take a vacation. A lot of people will buy a bigger, nicer house. Nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot wrong with that if you're saving for the future and you're already living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So Robert Kiyosaki, brilliant. And Mm -hmm. it's so simple. The second takeaway is let's keep it simple. Let's not make it complicated. And for instance, you're hugely successful as an agent, as an investor, as a dad, as a, you know, and so if people look up to you and they see you on this show Mm -hmm. and they see me on your show, they're going to take it away as 650 units. They're going to go, oh my God, look what these guys have done. I can't do what they do. And and that you may not say that, but that's how they feel. Well, they feel like it's a big hurdle. They feel like it's a big mountain to climb. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. So my takeaway is Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad, buy assets, don't buy liabilities. What I mean by that is just go buy something. Mm -hmm. Just get in the game. Don't make it complicated. Do your homework. I tell people 133 and one. You're going to go look at 100 pieces of property. You're going to immediately eliminate 30 or 70 of those. You're going to much more closely analyze 30 of those. You're going to make offers on three. And then depending upon how the sellers come back to you, you're going to pick your favorite. You're going to buy one. Yep. Don't make this complicated. Do not try and compete with Terrence. <laughs> no, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't compete with anybody else that's already on the top of the mountain. Yeah. You know, people watch Tom Hanks and they go, man, I want to be an actor. Oh, okay, cool. Have you done community theater here in Bryan College yeah. Station? No, I want to go to California. No, you don't. You want to do it right here in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. So you want to buy assets. You want to buy things that add value financially. And you want to start today. Yeah, don't great. start 10 years from now. Don't start 20 years. The adage is, when do you want to plant a tree now. if you're looking for shade? Can't plant it 10 years ago. Don't want to plant it 10 years from now. You want to plant it today. That's good, bro. That's exactly the same philosophy. Keep it simple. And if you don't know what to buy, start asking questions, visit with Terrence, visit with people like that that know what they're doing, have a conversation, then go find somebody else, then go find somebody else. Take somebody to lunch. Guys that are successful love to go to lunch. Love it. Because then they get to really sound smart. (laughs) And then what you do is you filter, you take the good stuff and you get rid of the bad stuff, but start today, Mm -hmm. buy something. 
That's good, man. Just being active. That's the key. Buy something. I think analysis by paralysis, you know, everybody's reading, there's watching YouTube videos. And and I have a lot of friends like that right now. I was like, I mean, when I first started my journey and bought my first two duplexes, they were right there in the room reading the books with me. Yep. It's just at some point you got to jump. And I think I, that's I'm big. embarrassed to tell you that the number of people that I've given a book to is maybe a large number, but the number of people who have actually read that book Wow. Is a minuscule, minuscule number. Mm-hmm. I had a guy come up to me and says, I want to do what you do. And I said, well, what do I do? He says, well, you just drive around, look at your property all day. And I went, okay, interesting. And he says, I'll do anything to be you. So I slid a book across to him. Three weeks later, I saw him and I say, hey, how's the book? He says, I haven't read it. Wow. But I'll do anything to be like you. No, they won't. They'll do anything to be like you, except what you had to do. Wow. They won't do that. Say that again. They'll do anything to be like you, except what you had to do. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that's the disconnect. That's the disconnect. And that's why I'm trying to start this podcast, because I want to be able to point people to some tools, to some information and not always just give my time. Because for, you know, it, like you said, you're going to lunch with these people, you're meeting with these people and you know, we're givers by nature. That's who Doug Peterson and Terrence. How old are you? 37 now. 62. And I hate to say this. If somebody calls, I'll go to lunch. If somebody calls, we'll sit down and meet. Yeah. But I'm quite jaded. Mm-hmm. They don't pay attention. They don't care. Now, I don't want to be negative. Yep. But they got to get some energy. They got to, how much dog is in you? Yep. How much do you want this? If you ask and they say, oh, it's a 10. By the time you're done clarifying, it's actually a six. Yeah. And what we're looking for is the 10. Yeah. And you're not even looking for it for us. I mean, we care, but we don't care that much. This is their life. Yeah, sure. We want them to have some fights. Mm-hmm. We can't, you can't take no every time there's a no. You got to fight past it. Yeah. How many guys expected you to go to the NFL? Not a whole lot, probably. Not many. Especially if you start going back to high school and then you go yeah. back to college early days and so on. Everybody's young. Everybody's inexperienced. And by the time you get to the the big leagues, whether it's college or whatever that is, everybody's good. Mm -hmm. In order for you to be better than good, what do you have to do? Do more than everybody else. And you got to pay attention and you got to study and you got to talk to people that know more. And you got to try and really groom your skills and hone your skills. And it's no different. You get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And if all they're going to do is show up and talk to you and me, if that's where it stops, it's not going to go very far. Well, and that's where you find out real quick because. From that point on, I've given you some tools. Now I need to see action. And that's what we're trying to create. So what would you say, I have that down, is what's one quote, scripture, or model that you live by? Like, what do you feel like if somebody asks you, hey, how are you successful? What's that one thing that you say? So there's probably two or three things that are arguably potentially going to be on my tombstone. (laughs) And one of them is vacant property sucks. Yep. I've heard you say that a million times. (laughs) And so tied to that is vacant property sucks. Um, (laughs) You know, if we're going to make this really simple, which is the goal, if we're going to make this fun, which is the goal, if you and I are going to really have fun teaching, if we're going to promote the business of real estate or whatever it is somebody wants to get into, for us, you and me, real estate, it's buying assets. Stay away from liabilities and buy assets. Now, I love it when they read the book. I love it when they come back to me. Did you read the book? Yes, I did. And then they have a tough decision. Well, my fiance and I are going to get married. We don't have any money, but we need to borrow $25,000 so we can get married. No. I mean, I'm sorry. It's not that I'm not a romantic. I am deeply, passionately in love with my wife. There's nothing I wouldn't do to make her happy. But if you're going to start out your financial journey, you're going to get married 
and your first step is to put yourself $25,000 in debt. Hole. Yeah, because you're going to get married and you want it to be right. You want it to be memorable. I get all that. But that is a classic example of a tough decision or a classic example of a decision that needs to be made well. Mm -hmm. We don't go into debt. We don't go into debt for stuff that doesn't make us money. Income producing. Period. Yeah. Now, Dave Ramsey, Robert Kiyosaki, all these guys, they've written tons of books. There's all kinds of material. YouTube. YouTube is an amazing place to go get smart. If you don't buy liabilities, if you stay away from stuff that takes money out of your pocket, if you'll postpone gratification, if you'll somehow wait until you're 62 years old to start selling and kind of take some profit, compound interest. Mm -hmm. Everybody's curve looks exactly the same. Nobody's got any money starting out. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> but as soon as you find yourself with an extra $5,000 in equity, what do most people do? Go blow it. They go buy a boat. Yeah. Or we go to Hawaii or we take a trip to the Caribbean. And guess what? You move zero back to present day. Mm -hmm. Now, you know why Warren Buffett's worth $100 billion today? Because he was worth $90 billion last year. We call that compound interest. Mm -hmm. It's money making money. Everybody else that's working a job, they're working a trap. A job is a trap. Yep. So your entrepreneur skill, your investment that you're going to teach people, it's brilliant. And all they have to do is pay attention. All they have to do is take baby steps. All they have to do is not make it such a big darn deal that they're intimidated. Just do one thing today you didn't do yesterday. And stick just, with it. And did one thing tomorrow that you didn't do today and so on. Yeah. Take baby steps. Yeah. Continue to learn about investing. And then once you invest, let it work. People wake up and they find themselves literally with $5,000. And then they go, yep, I read the book. Yep, I know exactly how to do this. But we deserve a trip. Mm -hmm. Deserve's got nothing to do with it. The money doesn't care how you feel. It doesn't. It's just math. It's a game. And as long as you understand the math, you're going to do great, mm -hmm. but information is part of it. Discipline is the second part. Wow, that's good. You got to put the discipline with it. When you were getting ready to go in the NFL, tell the folks what your daily schedule looked like. Crazy. After college, <laughs> before the NFL. Crazy. No, do it real quick. Yeah, I mean, I was up at 5 a.m. Doing what? Shoot, I got up. I, I ate breakfast. I uh, went straight to workout, and then I ate again after. I called balls off the jugs and did um, speed agility and quickness. Keep going. And the list goes on. No, I thought you'd be done. No, you're not done. I wasn't done. Because you know you're up against the best. And yeah. it, it, we don't have to train people for the NFL. But wouldn't it be fascinating if we could just get one good habit yep. to stick? Mm -hmm. Don't spend money on liabilities. Yep. Don't take the trips. Don't buy the fancy cars. Or at least don't buy cars that depreciate. Mm -hmm. And don't buy things that go down in value. Just buy things that go up in value. Now, by itself, it's pretty simple. But I guarantee there's people out there that are listening to this going, well, what do I buy that goes up in value? We don't know. Well, obviously, one of the things that we know about is real, real estate. estate. Yep. There's lots of things that go up in value, though. Yes. But you have to be disciplined to do the homework. And real estate is part of our DNA. Mm -hmm. You, me, we love real estate. You want to come over? You want to talk to me at 3.30? You want to be part of my blog? You want to talk about real estate? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's fun. But that doesn't mean that brain surgery is just as much fun or that Bitcoin, you know, you reference Bitcoin. I don't know anything about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to talk about Bitcoin on a blog. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't know anything about it. It's not a passion. And I, I, I think even if I knew about it, I wouldn't be excited about it. Yeah. It seems like smoke and mirror to me, no disrespect, but find your passion, find your DNA, find what you're wired for. And then focus on that. And stick with it. Have fun. Yeah, it's kind of like Robert Kiyosaki talks about, we need a career. 
which for me is real estate sales, but our money needs a career. He always talks yep. about that. And so what are three things you wish you knew? So if you were sitting talking to your 25-year-old self or your 50-year-old self trying to transition into an investor, what are three things, like three nuggets that you wish you knew before you started investing in real estate? Oof. I guess there's a couple of things that come to mind. And one of them is honesty and integrity. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was an honest person. I always felt like I had integrity. And so I don't want to, I don't want to mix the message here. Yeah, for sure. But where I'm going with this is that I would, I would listen to my friends and there would be a conversation going on and they would stress, and this is out of context, but it was, it was appropriate. They would stress how honest they were. And I thought, well, I know you and I know you're honest. Why are you stressing that? But now that I'm 62, you get if it. you ask me, the single most important trait when hiring, it's honesty. Yeah, it's integrity. It's integrity. And so what you want to do is you want to focus. You want to find that. You want to really, really, really pay attention to that because the rest of the stuff we can teach, mm-hmm. we can't teach that. Yeah. And people, you get a track record, right? Because you're dealing with title companies. You're dealing with realtors. You're dealing with lenders. You're dealing with vendors, inspectors. When you're in this game, just on one transaction, if you look at how many people touch a deal, mm-hmm. man, if you're not treating people right or if you're not doing it with integrity, you start getting a name in that space. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know what? That guy, I don't really want to do business with him. Yeah. I got a kick out of Walmart and Sam Walton, his aprons on his employees say, our people make the difference. And I thought, and I was very young, I was very inexperienced. And I thought, yeah, it's your people. It's not you, Sam. I mean, because I gave Sam all the credit. Yeah. The truth of the matter is when you got two or five or 10 or 30,000 stores, you can't be everywhere at the same time. It is his people. Yeah. And the systems and the ability for them to communicate and stay on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah. The, The second thing that I wish I knew, it's very possible that my neighbors that own the neighboring property adjacent to my property. Mm hmm have more to do with my success than I do. I pick up more trash, or at least I did back in the day, more trash off their property than I do off mine because when the prospective resident drives out to my property and has to pass theirs, I got to do everything I can to make theirs look good so Mm -hmm. they'll rent mine. Otherwise, they're scared and they run off. So I find it interesting that you know, you and I have a work ethic and you and I go to work every day and you, we go with enthusiasm and we know who we are. We know what we're trying to accomplish, but it tends to be, we almost focus more on our neighbors and on things we don't have control over because they overshadow the effort that we put in. They do. I'd have called you a liar if you'd have told me that 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd have said, no, it's all about buying property. It's all about managing. It's all about employees. And that is true, but it's shocking the influence that our yeah. neighbors have. When I think one of the strategies that you and I have both tried to execute is at some point try to buy the whole block out, mm-hmm. right? Because now when you control everything on the street, then you can control the vibe, the feel, yep. you know, you go down the street and everything's manicured and it just sets the right tone and you're able to balance the rent rates, all of it together, cost wise. Now your, your listeners again might be intimidated because you and I are talking about buying the whole block or yep. buying even the whole neighborhood. Yep. Don't do that. Yep. Don't get intimidated. Mm-hmm. Buy a nice piece of property in a decent neighborhood. Yep. One piece. But look at your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then pay attention because if you think you're getting a steal and the neighbors are really horrible, pay attention because that's why you're getting a steal. Yep. Because the neighbors have completely ruined the value of that property. Wow. So just buy one piece in a good neighborhood. Take care of your piece. 
call to their attention, the neighbor's attention. If you got problems, if you have concerns, be nice, smile when you do it. Mm -hmm. But my neighbors actually have quite a bit of influence on our success. No, that's good. And that's, that's shocking to me, but 62 years old, been doing this 31 years. It's not shocking anymore. We pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you've built a portfolio you have. So, so let me ask you this, Doug, what's the biggest opportunity you see in the next with, with COVID-19, obviously we're kind of still in the middle of an election. I'll be honest with you. If we look at COVID and we said as investors, if we said as business people, mm-hmm. does COVID help the economy? Does COVID help us? Does COVID help any segment of the economy? We could pick it apart. We could find a sliver and we could say, okay, good things are going to happen here. You know, if, if you're the guy that invents the vaccine, good things are going to happen right. to you, right? Okay. So let's talk about real estate investing. Let's talk about TM5 and Terrence and let's talk about Twin City Properties. Mm-hmm. What happens when bad things happen to a real estate market? At some point, opportunities arise. Very quickly. Yep. Now, if we own, you and me, our neighbors, hypothetically, and we own a $100,000, $200,000 piece of property and COVID hits and all of a sudden people can't pay their rent, nobody's excited about that. Or if $1,000 goes to $900, nobody's excited about that. But think about since time has been recorded, since history has been recorded, real estate's done this. Now, there's been up and down, up and down. But overall, it's trending every year. Put your money in real estate. Now, Warren Buffett said it best. Don't buy something you're not going to keep forever. Wow. So don't buy something, get in, get out. He doesn't understand day traders in the stock market. And to be honest, neither do I. Yep. Just like we don't understand flippers. Well, you got to pay your tax. You got to pay ordinary income. We don't do that. So we're long-term players. Yep. The opportunity is in a bad market, keep doing what you're doing. The opportunity in a good market is actually harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you drive around Bryan College Station right now and your job is to find for you or find for me a bargain, are there any bargains? It's tough right now. Because Bryan College Station is so hot. Texas A&M University. And then there's the fear of COVID. Is anybody going to come back to school? This is back in July and August. Maybe all of our properties are going to be empty. Broke the enrollment record. I'm just, I'm just doing this. When everybody goes, maybe it's going to be empty. I just got all fired up. We started stockpiling cash. For nothing. We, well, it turned out to be for nothing, but yeah. you, you don't know. It was a good thought. Yeah. It's, it, crisis creates opportunities for those that keep their head about them while everybody else is going crazy. I heard this quote, and it was talking about the stock market when COVID and obviously everything happened. It says, it's the only time that people don't run to a sale. And that really like stuck with me because if it's, if there's a sale at Walmart or Target or Starbucks or whatever, people run to a sale, right? Mm-hmm. That's why people lose their mind on Black Friday. Yep. They, they're literally stomping each other to get in the door because yep. they're running to a sale. But when there's an opportunity to invest in real estate or stock market, people actually go and they start selling off everything, mm-hmm. right? Instead of actually trying to buy more. So yep. that's the hard part about being a real estate entrepreneur, because most of the time you got to go against the grain. You got to go against we what the crowd is doing. Contrarian investor. Yep. We're going that way and the crowd's going that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you feel like from a personality trait standpoint that you needed to be able to have that confidence? Is it because you did enough research or is it because you built a track record? Like what gave you that confidence to go against the grain, right? And really go in a different direction than the whole wave was going. You know, I would say probably number one, my parents and number two sports. Yep. But number three, knowing the market, I I would literally reach out to friends daily 
man, you got to buy a piece of property, man. You got to buy a piece. This is crazy. It's like sweeping up hundred dollar bills. We would back in the day, we would run an ad in the Eagle. I know that's old school. <laughs> we get 50 phone calls a day. Wow. Trying to sell the property. One ad. No, trying to lease it. Oh, okay. So the demand was so huge. Mm -hmm. Occupancy was so huge. You just needed more units. No, it's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely insane. And today, $30,000 units that I paid in, in 90, 30,000 for 1990. They're not worth two hundred thousand. Why? Well, because the rents were three seventy five. Now they're nine fifty aside, and the rents generate the value, and occupancy generates value. The market's crazy, crazy good yeah. if you've been in business as long as you and I have, yeah. and crazy tough if you're trying to either expand your business or get into this get market because everybody knows Texas A&M is the place to own property. Texas A&M used to be a secret. But like I explain to people, because we're traveling a lot now, meeting real estate brokers and investors all over the United States. And the first thing we say is when they're like, Brian, College Station. I'm like, mm -hmm. where Texas A&M is? Oh, I know oh, where it's at. Oh, yeah. I know oh, where it's at. Yeah. It's like, well, you got Austin, San Antonio, and you got Dallas, and you got Houston. That's a triangle. We're right in the center of it all. So, well, one of the questions I always get is when I'm evaluating an investment, What's that process or what am I looking at? Because you hear people talk about return on investment, ROI, or you hear people talk about cap rate. What's the cap rate? See, now you're scaring some exactly. of your newbie investors. Exactly. So that's that's the reason I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah. The thing I'm realizing with most people trying to get into this game of real estate investing or just real estate in general, they only get parts and pieces to the puzzle and no one really walks them through A to Z step-by-step step on how to execute one acquisition. Mm -hmm. So if you just, and obviously it would take all day to explain your complete process. I got nothing to do. <laughs> I got nowhere to go. Hey, you got it. Peanut M&Ms are right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got time, right? So what does that due diligence look like if I were just going to buy a duplex, right? Okay. So and what am I looking at? Am I looking at ROI, return on investment, or am I looking at, okay. just walk me so, through that. So you and I sitting here having a conversation, you know, and I know in 15 seconds, whether we're interested in that Correct. piece of property. So that's not a fair comparison. Yep. Anybody out there listening to this, who's not yet bought a piece of property, I think let's have this conversation for them. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, most people are limited by money. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to buy a $200,000 piece of property. The bank wants 20% down. I have to have $40,000. That, that kills most people. 60% of America can't write a check for 500 bucks. Yeah. So how are they going to come up with 40 grand? Yeah. Okay. So that's the first hurdle. Big hurdle. And that's usually a deal killer right there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about buying the $200,000 piece of property. Let's go back to Robert Kiyosaki, buying assets and not buying liabilities. Now let's plug in the blog of you and me talking, and we're telling people to go buy this piece of property. Now what you're going to do is you're going to say, well, I don't have the money. I'm going to say you found a deal. If you found a $200,000 piece of property for $150,000, you'd find the money. You'll find the money or the money will find you. Correct. And so a lot of people say, well, gee, do I find the money first or do I find the deal? The deal. Well, the answer, if you have to have one or the other, is find the deal. Yep. But what I tell people is do both. That's good. So you, don't, you don't have a deal. It's really hard to find money. Mm. But if you don't have the money and you have a deal, it's real easy to find money. Yep. Because there's so many people out there that do understand the numbers. And people out there that are listening, here's two things to factor in that are critically important. Mm -hmm. Number one, why would people loan you money? First answer is to make money. 
So if, if they put their money in the bank today, Terrence, what are they making in the bank? Less than 1%. They're making 0.002%. I actually had a banker say to me the other day, this is a, a year ago or so, he says, we love your balance sheet. We just think you ought to keep more cash in the bank. <laughs> And so I, I so no I, so I said mm, you want me to sell something that's performing so I can put money in your bank and make how much and I said zero point and he literally looks at me and he goes it's zero point something and I know it's got a lot of zeros in front of it I get what you're saying and I said I'm not doing that well here let me slide for your thing. comfort no to shoot sense. myself in the foot doesn't make any sense like Robert Kiyosaki says and it's aggressive he says sabers are losers right. Because inflation, on average, over the last 60 years, it's usually 2.8 to 3.2%, right? So if you're not making 3% or more on your cash, you're putting it in a bank that they're going to loan it out 10 to 15 times, 15x, and you're actually paying them to hold your money. So again, just keeping this simple, if we're buying assets and we're not buying liabilities, how do I get started? How do I buy that first piece? I don't have any money. Yep. Okay. I don't want to say that's not a problem. But it's really not a problem. Mm -hmm. Young man in my office, 25 years old, he's brilliant. And he and I met by chance and he and I became friends and, and we, you know, I became a bit of a mentor and we started just having this amazing relationship. He's 25 years old. I pay him six figures to run my business in Little Bryan College Station. He owns 20 units in Orange, Texas. He owns a 30,000 square foot nursing home that we now have under contract to sell. Wow. Going to make us about $350,000, all with none of his money. Wow. Not one dime. Wow. Now, again, for anybody out there listening, let's just start with one deal. Let's understand kind of the workings and how this works. And then once you do the first one, that's when you step over that threshold and you go, oh my goodness, that's so easy. I'm in the game. There's, there's really nothing to it. Mm -hmm. How many times as old as you are, as, as experienced as you are, you're still <laughs> young, young by my standard. <laughs> but no, but as old as you are, how many times a week do you learn something new? How many times a month do you learn something new? Never stop. I'm 62 years old. I've been doing this 31 years. And somebody will literally come into my office and go, hey, what do we do with this? And I'll go, wow. Never seen that before. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we have all the answers. No, it's a journey. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. But you don't have to know everything. Yeah. You just have to know enough to get started. Uh, Martin Luther King, I think, I think it was him. He says, you don't have to see the whole path. You just have to see the first step. Yeah. And he could be talking about driving from Los Angeles to New York, or he could be talking about a staircase. Everybody wants the whole thing mm -hmm. because they don't want to be stupid because they don't want to make mistakes. Well, great. I, I don't want to make mistakes either, but to your point, you got to get in the game and you're going to make them newsflash. We're going to, we're going to make them. You're going to make them. And I always say, and everybody talks about it. You never lose. You just learn. All right. It's either a win or a lesson. The only way you lose is if you quit. Yep. And you, I've had some people who get that first investment. They have a couple mistakes and they're like, I need to sell. I'm like, well, you just bought it 12 months ago. Yep. Well, I need to get out. I'm done. This isn't my game. I'm not having fun. Yeah. It's like, it's, it, and some people, it's not their DNA. It, and that's okay. I, I wholeheartedly agree we should find our DNA. Yeah. Because if it's not fun, I got a buddy and God bless him. He's one of my best friends and he owns about five or six houses. He needs to sell. <laughs> it's just not his It's thing. not his game, yeah. but he can't. Mm. You know why? Because he knows it's the right thing. He knows it's a good deal. He knows as soon as he sells, they're going to go through the roof and I'm just going to not make fun of him, but he knows he's going to be vulnerable to being made fun of. So he's got to hang on to him. Yeah. So now he's really in a bad spot because he knows that's the smart thing to do. And it is a smart thing to do, but he's not having fun. No, that's good, it's man. not his cup of tea. Well, man, I want to hit into this next question is what are you investing your money in right now? <laughs> 
And because um, like we said, you have a career, your money has a career. You want to diversify at some point. So yep. what are you investing your money in right now? So the uh, the inside joke between Terrence and I <laughs> is he asked me this question before I showed up. And I told him that he was going to be shocked and he was going to be said knocked. I was going to shit my pants. Well, I, 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 I didn't know we were going to do that. I'm like, yes. Okay. So Terrence and I are car guys. So let's talk about cars. Oh, man. So I just bought something three weeks ago. It's car number 11 for me. I have a handful of Corvettes. I've modified a couple. I have a 34 Ford three-window coupe. I have a 2004 excursion. My wife's got the BMW. You know, I got the Escalade and I've got a 51 Kaiser street legal dragster. We've got a Porsche. So the list goes on. I bought a car. What did you buy? I bought Is this what you're investing your money in is what you're saying? Yes, but but I I know I'm kind of taking some time here, but I'm I'm building for a fact. I can tell. I can tell. I bought, I'm staring at Terrence (laughs) while I say this. I bought a 2005 Ford, Ford GT. GT. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. 8,800 miles on it. Midnight blue metallic with the white stripe. There's four options investors yep. want. They want the painted calipers. They want the BBS rims, the 10 spoke rims. They want the stripe and they want the Macintosh stereo. I have all, I have all four options. Wow. It's beautiful. I it's it perfect. Is. And that once again, it's even though perfect. people would say cars are depreciating assets, that's an appreciating asset. That car in 10 or 15 years will be worth 50% more than what I paid for it, if not more. Yeah. Okay. Now, so it's not an investment, but it is an investment. It's probably worth what the other 10 cars collectively are worth. Wow. And it's going to go up in value while the others are going down. So really what that's done, since my DNA and your DNA is different, instead of just kind of pissing it away, and just saying, okay, I'm going to have fun. I'm 62. I can afford to do whatever I want to do. And yeah, because you, you sacrificed to, this, to get to this point. That 2005 Ford GT makes all this investing in cars fun. It. And it makes it balanced. All that's going to go down in value. All that's going to go up in value. Now, but I just started investing in Civil War firearms. I have about- So collectibles, antique collectibles. I have four or five pistols, some very rare pistols. Mm-hmm. I have a Lamat. A nine-cylinder pistol shoots a forty-two caliber cartridge, and underneath it is a 16-gauge shotgun barrel. So most of, most of the people listening would say, if you've had this great streak for 30-plus years in real estate that you've invested in, why now put it into cars or antique collectibles? Is it just to diversify, or is it, you know what, I'm going to invest, but now I'm going to invest in hobbies? So it's a brilliant question. The, the truth of the matter is I was an extremely disciplined investor for 30, for years. 30 years. Yep. And so and the, I know the, that for sure. Well, the curve that we're talking about, you know, for the first 10 or 15 years, I knew these were solid investments, but I had doubts. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it wasn't taken off. It wasn't doing anything. You're just, you're paying your dues. And so all of a sudden it starts to take off. Well, my wife, Cheryl and I, we sat down in front of a financial planner and I don't have any kids. And so wills are a big deal. And where is all this going to go? And we started talking and my wife made fun of me. And she said to the financial planner, he's got page one of our personal financial statement in front of him. She says, he won't buy the Corvette, a $40,000 car. And he looks at me and he sees that he hands the paper back. He goes, why won't you buy a $40,000 car? And I said, with enthusiasm, I said, because it's a horrible investment. It's going to go down in value. And he looks at me and he kind of cocks his head sideways, sideways and he goes, buy the damn car. 
Yeah, go live a little bit. So I bought the car and loved it. Yep. So long story short, I paid my dues. I'm worth something. Yep. And I can diversify and I can have fun. So the question then is, what's fun for you? Mm-hmm. The question is, I've earned it. What's fun? My, yeah. my money's making money. My math is making math. You know, we're doing great. Staff is doing great. Investments are doing great. We're finding more property. Uh, we're making offers all the time. We're continually buying. Mm-hmm. And so now we're actually selling a couple pieces that are a little bit off the fringe, yeah. not exactly the main portfolio that we think is really the heart that and you're soul. trying to hold on to. It, it's fringe elements yeah. that we're selling and we're taking some profit and I'm having some fun. And on those, are you 1031 in? Or are you? Nope. Paying my tax, taking the cash. Just moving on. Yeah. I can't buy a car with a 1031 because yeah. they keep the cash. You got to keep moving it into real estate. That Ford GT lit me up. That's yeah. just fun. The, the, yeah. the rifles and, and the shotguns and the pistols, mostly the pistols, you know, you don't know what's going to light you up until it lights you up. Mm-hmm. You're lit up with, you want to talk about it? Building new houses, <laughs> family, the kids, yeah. Yeah. cars, employees. Yeah. I'm right. Loving, I'm growing teams right now. I'm loving it. And ranch land. Yep. Loving ranch land. So stuff. is the ranch land an investment Yeah, or is it fun or both? Both. See? Like said, yes, What's both. better than an investment that's fun? Yeah. We're hunting hogs out there. We're, man, I had a bunch of teammates in town a couple of weeks ago from my high school. One of my friends played at Arkansas. My other teammate and cousin played at Texas. Won a national championship, so we we all got together. It's been twenty years since we've all been together. We met at the and ranch. How much fun! It was, was that? awesome, man. We sat under, the, you know, we we went out and hunted hogs, and we sat by the fire, and we just had a great weekend. Yeah. So, and, and and that's the biggest thing for us. So you built that memory. Yep. That without the land, you wouldn't have. You couldn't put a price on it. Yeah. And so, number one, you built that memory. Number two, you had that experience. And number three, the land is just continuing to grow in value, grow in value, grow in value while you're enjoying it. Correct. And if people see my post this week and the one I put up a couple weeks ago, I put up that land is an investment also. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a longer play, but that's the key. I think that's the biggest thing that I've really wrapped my mind around, whether it's Warren Buffett in stocks, you and I in real estate. I know investors who buy land, whatever it is, it's tough to really build that momentum when you're trying to get rich quick. Can't do it. And if you, and I've seen people do that in the real estate game, even, even here in College Station, and they get burned mm-hmm. because they're just, all right, how do I buy this? Flip it, sell it. And no disrespect to anybody trying those strategies. It's just Russian roulette. And, I, I and, would agree with you, obviously. Yep. We're two peas in a pod. Yep. But at the same time, like you said, no disrespect. If that works for them. Good. But what people out there need to understand is that Uncle Sam is your biggest partner. And I don't care if you got other partners, (laughs) he's your biggest partner. Yeah. So figure out what your tax bracket is because if you buy, flip, and sell, it's ordinary income and you're paying tax. 20, 25, 30, 38% right off the top. Let's break that down real quick. So, you know, ordinary income versus- Capital gains. Capital gains versus passive. When you're looking at, do I sell, do I not? You go and look at your tax bracket. You look at the income for the year. How, How would you evaluate if you- want to sell a property. Okay. So again, that's not how I look at it, Yeah. but number one, I don't sell mm-hmm. even though now I'm selling 650 units and we sold 200 units. So we had 850. Yeah. You were up to eight, eight something at one point, we sold, we sold, but we sold one neighborhood Yeah, and we were uh, the biggest investor in that neighborhood. And we decided to get out of that neighborhood. We decided to get out of apartments and, you know, mm-hmm. we made a couple of decisions. So you could do a 1031 tax exchange, which postpones postpones which, the capital gains tax, which is a big deal because yep. you want to grow a hundred thousand, not 50,000. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
we've got 650 units behind us, most of which are paid for, plenty of cash flow, plenty of equity, and I wanted to diversify fund-wise. I did not want to pinch pennies anymore. Mm. I really wanted to have some fun. Cheryl yeah. and I, we, uh, she organized this three-week trip to Africa. First week was a mission trip. Second week was Kenya and, and safaris. Third week ended up being a mission trip. And we just made some amazing friends. But you don't go to Africa for three weeks and no. do it the way Cheryl does it and not spend a lot of money. <laughs> well, and I want to talk about that. You, that leads me into my next question. I got a couple more. What are you passionate about as far as giving back? I feel like we're givers by nature. That's just who we are, which I think is why God has blessed us because we're just managing this, right? It's not mine. We're not, we're like, we're, this is like people always say, not my pastor said that you never see a U-Haul going behind a hearse, right? I, I tell I say to Cheryl and I say to my office, they go, wow, great car. And I say, yeah, somebody's going to inherit an amazing car. Yeah. Somebody's going to inherit You're just a, a gun collection. I'm, we're temporary stewards. Yeah. But what are you passionate about? Is it because you said mission trip, right? When you have your time, because they always say you obviously have your time, your gifts, and your resources. Is it really investing in some of the staff at your office? Is it in the Bryan College Station community? What would you say one thing that you're passionate about that you really try to make sure? And it may just be keeping up with knucklehead people like me calling you and asking <laughs> questions, being a mentor. What would you say? I'm, I'm really not passionate about that. <laughs> no, I'm passionate about a lot of things. Yeah. I'm pretty low keyed on almost everything. But if, you, if it's one-on-one -on -one and you say, hey, what about this or what about that? So first and foremost, I'm passionate about my relationship with my wife. Yep. It's, it's an amazing relationship. She's an amazing woman. And I'm divorced, so I recognize what not amazing husband energy, like. yeah, what that does to yep. a relationship. Mm -hmm. So in order to avoid that, I try, and I'm not perfect, but I try and be as passionate, as uh, excited as I can be. Yep. You know, a lot of women want to talk to their husbands. And a lot of husbands want to solve the problem. Not every, every woman wants you to solve their problem. They just want you to shut up, smile at them, nod, and pay attention. You get marriage advice now. It's, it's, it's hard no, sometimes. No, I, it's hard. Yeah. So my wife is, you know, first and yeah. foremost, my uh, giving is without question uh, Christ-centered. Yeah. I, I really want to know where he's leading me to give. Mm -hmm. So when I say my wife, they don't want that to be priority number one. Yeah, we would. I'm with you. Okay. I'm so number two, though, number three, you know, when I started buying property, it was buying property. Now, that sounds kind of weird because everybody's going, well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm <laughs> trying to buy property. Well, now with 18 employees, my passion is the growth of those 18 that's, people. My sense. passion is those 18 people being on the same page. Mm -hmm. My passion is training them, teaching them if they want to learn how to do what I do. That's good. If they want to buy, if they want to manage, if they want to be smarter, if they want to be more powerful, if they want to take this dog that's in them and they want to expand on that, I'm all in. Yeah, you're not putting a ceiling on them. You I'm want them to I'm grow. 100% in. That's good. I love it. Uh, and then tied to that is that statement that it used to be about buying property. It's still about buying property. It's still about growing your number of units, but it's got a lot more to do with growing your staff. Well, and that, that leads me to my next question. So what are you doing to invest in yourself? Because we've talked about the properties, the company, the staff, how you're investing in them. But what are some of the hacks or things that you're doing to invest in Doug? Like, and where are you seeing your best return? Is it books? Is it audible? Is it seminars? What, what are you doing to invest in you at this point in your life? Like that you're investing back in your cup because as a leader, you're continually pouring out. And I think as people are listening, they want to know, okay, what are some of the things that these successful men are doing to keep growing at this point in their career? 
I think that's a brilliant question, and I think my answer is going to shock you. Okay. And I really mean the answer that I'm about to give you. The way that I feed into myself, and it's taken me 30 years to get here. Wow. The way that I feed into myself is that I actually have trained myself. I'm actually really good at doing nothing. Wow. And what I mean by nothing is I'll go home and wash a car. I'll go home and have dinner with my wife. I'll go home and, I mean, I'm busy. I, I do things. But when we talk about the business, I literally do nothing. And, and the reason I'm saying it this way mm -hmm. is because most people, if you're not paying attention to the whole blog, if you're not talking about work ethic, if you're not talking about growing your wealth, if you're not talking about passion, if you're not talking about entrepreneurial uh, skills, you're going to go, well, he's lazy. Yeah. I still go to the office and I still have people come in and ask me questions. Mm -hmm. I still go to the, the weekly meeting. I still look at monthly numbers. I still, I still, I still. But if you went to my office right now and they knew why you were asking the question and you ask, who's the guy that does the least around here? <laughs> it's the, no, they, they would. And I'm proud of that. Let me tell you why. The people in my office doing the job that they do are extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm paying them and I think I am like they're extraordinary. So for Bryan College Station, if you're extraordinary, and I don't mean for the, the other real estate management companies, we don't hire 20-year veterans intentionally. You hire them new and groom them. They don't know a thing. Mm -hmm. And we want to teach them how to work. And I've done that here too. And we teach them how to have fun and we teach them how to be proactive and we teach them how to be passionate. And so one of the things that I'm actually proudest of is I've kind of uh, nurtured my way out of the business. Wow. And it You've runs- you worked yourself out of a job. It runs without me. And I wow. love that. That's awesome. But the, That's the, true passion. But the income. most satisfying part of this conversation isn't that I've worked myself out of it. It's that I've worked them into it. Wow. And because my goal five, 10 years ago was to create a team that was spectacular, to create a team that could do what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And we're really pretty close to doing that. It's very gratifying. That's it's awesome. very satisfying. That's good, I, bro. I take a lot of pride in that. That's good. You walk through my office and you pick up the fun buzz. You pick up, they know what they're doing. If you sit there and you watch as we interact with our customers, as we interact with our vendors, as we interact with each other, you come away from that going, these people are having fun. Yeah. And I think I'm a bad teacher. I think I'm a much better motivator. And this started off with, what was your first purchase? One house? 702 North Culture, $11,500. $11,000 purchase, one house. Yep. And now you got 18 people on your team. Yep. At one point, 850 units. Mm, yep. 800 plus. More than uh, that. Yeah, shit, 900. Mm -hmm. And here you sit saying, I started off. And that, that goes back to, like you said earlier, people can get intimidated by 18 employees. I bought one house. One house. And I bought a grand. POS at 702 North Coulter. Yep. And then the bank said, I'll finance this 100%, the purchase. You have to put the fix up in. Well, I didn't know any difference. So I said, sure. So I paid 11,500 bucks for the first house. I put about eight or 9,000 into it myself just over months. Just building it. Yeah, and painted it and fixed and repaired and mowed the grass and rented that thing for 325 bucks. And I felt like Donald friggin' Trump. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, man. I was strutting. I mean, I was, I was the man. <laughs> and then I found another one and then I found another one. And then literally you're just walking around, driving around and they're just everywhere. Yep. And so the, the needle's stuck in my arm. I'm addicted. And I know for a fact this stuff is killing me. 
Mm-hmm. I know what I'm paying for 20 years, 30 years, 10 years from now is going to be worth way more yeah. than what I paid for it. And mm-hmm. I knew it. And I was trying to tell my friends and I was trying to you know, get them involved. And I knew it was a good deal. Like I knew it was a good deal. Mm-hmm. And now today I'm 62 and I'm the recipient of that awareness. That's awesome, bro. Closing question, man. You gave us three books to read. I'm telling you, I got a lot more. This cannot, <laughs> this cannot be the closing question. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. So one of the things that we have all our guests on the Real Estate Entrepreneur do for the audience is to bring one to three books that they read. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, and then Anything by Dave Ramsey was the three yeah. you suggested. Yeah. When we uh, I have a guest speaker in Dr. Reister's class up at A&M at least once a year, this year with COVID, they filmed it, they videoed us, uh, which was still fun, but- We were up there one year together. Yeah. 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 So what I do is I'll bring books and I usually bring about six or eight or 10 books. And then the interaction with the students, if they answer a question correctly, or I just have fun with it, I'll just say, come on up here and get a book. Rich Dad Poor Dad is one of them. And uh, Keller's book is another one. They changed my life. Mm -hmm. Read a book. Yep. Go to YouTube. Have some fun. Realize there's information out there and it's free. Realize you can sit there and you can be thirsty and just realize all this free stuff is floating around you. And then kind of like the the guns now, the Civil War, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to waste money. And nobody wants to be stupid. So I'm starting to find my mentors. I'm yep. starting to find my coaches. I'm starting to find my sources. It's no different. So find your tribe is that's, that's find like your the, tribe. I love that. That's the new thing that yeah. we've been saying at TM5. Let your vibe attract your tribe. Let your vibe. But you got t-shirts. I want a t-shirt. I'm finna coin that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let your vibe attract your tribe. But what we realize until you get a platform, you can't really create that tribe because you you know. So you got to actually go find your tribe because you're actually the one looking for the vibe, right? Well, I actually like what you just said. You actually need to find your platform first. Yes. If you don't know who you are, yep. if you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know the leader that you want to be or the group that you want to lead. Vision. Vision's kind of a tough word for me because even at 62 with all this property and you're bringing me on like an implied expert, people will imply I had vision. Mm-hmm. I kind of had vision, but really I didn't have it. You were just one step after the other. I'm just keeping one foot in front of the other, keep the soccer ball between the ditches, and let's go that way. And if one made sense, 10 made more sense. Mm -hmm. If 10 made sense, 100 made more sense. So each deal stood on its own. Each purchase stood on its own. And we would just build like building blocks. Mm -hmm. Now you look up, 30 years has gone by like that. Snap of a finger. And all of a sudden- it's 30 years past starting and you're going, what a ride. It was yeah. so much fun. How did we get here? And I got a Ford GT parked in my garage up on a lift above my Porsche. What a ride. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because the curve is the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. You got to be patient while you're aggressive. You got to be buying and not selling. You got to be letting your numbers and your math work for you. And it ain't going to be astounding in five years. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be astounding in 10 years. It's going to start to become astounding (laughs) unless you screw it up and you are the only one that can screw it up. Once you buy it, forget about it. And I don't mean management wise, but don't sell it. Don't refinance it. Don't take cash out of it. Pay that thing off, pay it down. Man, I want to close with one thing because I know you manage your properties and that's what you've been known for. 
you don't source out your third party management. Mm-mm. So anything you acquire, you manage it in house and the people that are managing it are your employees. So you've built a team where and you're not leasing other people's properties Correct. as a, like a, you know, a rental locator. Correct. You're not doing third party management for other investors like Correct. me. Yep. You just acquire, keep in house, manage and do all that in house. Do you feel like that's been a, a recipe to your success? Well, I think it's, it's at least part of it. You know, yep. when we first started buying property, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing buying it. I didn't know what I was doing managing it. But let's be honest, it's my DNA. Yeah. You know, somebody calls and the light socket in the kitchen doesn't work. Well, we should fix that. Mm -hmm. Somebody calls and they lock themselves out and the angry boyfriend kicked in the door. Well, we should fix that. We're going to send you a bill. Yeah. That's not rocket science. No. And I care about where our properties are located and I care about who's renting them. But to be honest, the stuff that we're not supposed to care about, like race, religion, familial status, the protected classes, I never cared about those anyway. Yeah. So if somebody wants to move in independent of color, race, familial, we don't care about that. If somebody wants to move in and they want to be respectful, they want to be responsible and they want to be timely, they want to pay me rent and take good care of the property and be a good neighbor, it's easy. There you go. And so screening people and getting rid of people that don't want to meet that criteria is huge. And a lot of times buying property in less than ideal neighborhoods, that can be challenging because you're trying to get ideal people to move into less than ideal neighborhoods, but we're going to have an amazing relationship. We're going to take good care of the property. Long story short, vision's probably not a fair word. Buying one piece of property is the way to start. Mm -hmm. Recognizing that is part of your DNA and you're having fun and then continue to build on that. You buy one piece of property, and it's not your DNA, be thankful you didn't buy 10 Mm -hmm. because 10 does not make it more fun. Yeah. And so managing the property by ourselves for ourselves, it was a defensive move. Okay. I didn't trust anybody else to be as scared of vacancies or as scared of bad tenants as yourself or as scared of misuse of the property as me. Yeah. And so defensively, I just said, well, how hard, (laughs) one of my famous quotes, how hard can this be? So no matter who's going out to do work for us, how hard can that be? So sometimes it's really hard, Mm -hmm. but managing 18 people, that's harder than managing 650 units. But we manage our people, right? And they they do it. And they take great care of our residents. No, that's good, bro. And I think the thing I always tell people is they get so overwhelmed with, you see some successful people and I would just go to NFL guys, right? They've gotten to that point, but they don't take that same passion, energy, and focus and put it into their financial life, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just work, 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 and then they hand it off to a financial advisor and say, you run with it from here. Right. And I think that's one of the things that's the secret to both of our success. I never felt comfortable giving up everything to everybody in the beginning. So I would oversee it or I would, you know, you start off doing it yourself. So uh, Gary Keller told me this a couple of times. I do it, then we do it, then they do it. He said, that's really the progression of any business mm-hmm. and those three simple things. So yep. in the beginning, I do it, right? Then we do it. That means I'm training, I'm coaching, I'm doing it with them. Um, And then at some point they do it. And you're obviously, you've hit that third level of business where it's just all day. And you can be involved as much as you want now, but that's that's the goal and that's the dream. Heck, that's where I want to be one day. I think there's, and I'm going to call it maturity, but I don't think that's the right word. I think maturity is close. But when I was younger, I didn't know with confidence what I know now. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, it is easier just to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, doing it yourself, you got it done right. Yep. And then when you get somebody else involved and they don't quite do it right, now you're gun shy. Yep. And so what you got to do is you got to get past all that and you got to get to the point where they're going to do it. They're going to do it fine. Mm-hmm. There's responsibility, but there's repercussions. There's authority, 
but there's also you do it wrong and we're going to have to have a conversation. Do it wrong once, I care. <laughs> do it wrong twice. We got a problem. We got a problem because yeah. if you ain't doing it wrong a third time, yeah, we got to pay attention. All right, bro. So I, I want to close with this quote. It's a great quote. Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. Yep. If you want to conquer fear, don't sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. So I think that's a great quote, man. No, that's brilliant. So that's um, brilliant. So the thing that I get a chuckle out of is that we'll have a conversation with somebody and I'll say, did you read the book? And they'll say, no, no, I've been so busy, you know, and, and you want to ask the question, you've been so busy that you couldn't focus on making money. You've been so busy that you couldn't focus on making money and freeing yourself up for the life that you deserve. You've been so busy in that rut yep. that you can't even see to get out of it. I'm not trying to poke no, at people. Good. There's another quote out there that says, to get what we've never had, we a lot of times must do what we've never done. Yep. And that's brave. Yeah. you got to get outside your comfort zone. Yep. And then once you realize everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time, after you realize that this isn't that big a deal, you've crossed that barrier, but you got to cross that barrier. You can't have somebody tell you about it because it's not the same thing. You've got to experience it yourself. Well, bro, I love you, man. My man, I love Thank you, you back. Thank you for being on the show. You know, Doug Peterson, former D1 athlete, Texas A&M seven-footer, now CEO of Twin City Properties, and longtime CEO. He's to that third level, like we talked about earlier. I do it, we do it, they do it. And now he's at the they do it, and he's living life. Bought him a Ford GT, proud Ooh, of him. I'm going to come by. He's we'll got take the passion. I got to see it. Woo. But um, yeah, pretty, man, pretty, pretty how can car. people find you? You're probably not looking for people to look you up, but if people wanted to find you, I know you're not on any social media, not on Instagram. If, if they'll come to TM5.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if anybody has an interest, just go to TwinCityProperties.com, reach out, and they'll put you in touch with me. Awesome. Love you, bro. Love you back. Thank you, man. Cool, buddy. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to TerrenceMurphy.com. 